Um, for those of you who missed it, please, please go back and listen. Um, Pastor Alex was, was, was preaching out of 1 Chronicles 28, 9, and 10, and, and, and the, thought, the thought was this, um, which is a great word because so oftentimes we slip into this, perfection's not required for God's blessing. That, that, that was the message, and, and, and what is required, and if you go to that verse and you, and you read it, what is required is this, this incredible passion uh, to know God and, and devotion to, to have an intimate experience uh, with the Father. And so, so that's what was being poured in, and that's what, that's what Pastor Alex was, was talking to us about. And I really want to continue um, that thought this week uh, in, in this message, and so they're very much going to be connected. But, but where I want to start is, 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 is here. This, this idea of, of, of heaven coming to earth is something we talk about a lot around here, and it is, it is God taking what is reality. And one of the things we talked about last week was whether or not you believe it, whether or not you believe he's God, he's God. Whether or not you believe he's perfect power, he is. And, and whether or not you believe he knows and sees all, he does. And so, so there are realities that, that are not shaken by whether or not Brandon or Richard or, you know, JP or Brock or, or Marcus believes them or not. But, the word without being mixed with faith didn't profit them out of Hebrews 4, right in there. And so there are realities about the Father gone that for them to become your reality in your life, my reality in my life, we have to latch on and believe those realities, right? And so does that make sense? And so kind of like he was, he was Lord before he was ever your Lord. He was Savior before he was ever my Savior. And it took a very personal faith to make that reality that God is reality in, in my life. And so, so think about that just from a principle standpoint. And then, and then take, take, take the name of, of El Shaddai, which is, which is how God revealed himself to, to, to Abraham. And it means God Almighty, the, the all-sufficient one. I am the God who's more than enough for you. Abraham. It has, it has this imagery and this picture with it. A, a, a nursing mother is, is more than enough for, for every need that infant child has, right? And so again, that is the reality that is God, whether you believe it or not. But to experience it personally in your life, there has to be revelation. There has to be response. There has to be this, this activation of faith in order for you and I to walk in the reality, you are El Shaddai. You are, you are the God who's more than enough. And, and we, 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 we got that in the worship. And, and Richard, that was a great word. Thank you. You know, JP, and bringing that. And, and I was thinking of the first time, ah, oh, we're seated. You know, seated is a position of, of rest. You know, if you were panicked out of your mind right now with anxiety and fear, you would not be seated. You guys hear me? It's a good word. You know, it's seated is a, a restful posture that, 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 that we've come to in him, and that's available for us in him. So, so just put all that in your, in your back pocket, and as we, as we kind of get into more of the meat of the message, are you guys okay if I turn in my Bible to, to scriptures this morning? Is that all right with you? Will you wait on me as I wait on you? 
For those of you who have Bibles, the four of you, go over to, go over to 1 Timothy. I'm going to go out of order here right off the bat. Go over to 1 Timothy 6. And I want to look at verses 7, 7 and 8. We're going to be talking about contentment today. Learning contentment. You guys excited about that? It's a good word. It's needed. Is it, it's needed for me. Is it needed for you? Could you use some help learning to be content in, in your life? That's what I feel like the Lord has on my heart this morning. So, so hopefully you, you can position your heart to receive it. So in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, I'm going go to I'm gonna go back up to 6. Paul, Paul says, writing to, to Timothy, his young leader, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. You guys awake this morning? Somebody say great gain. Godliness alone is not enough. That sounds like blasphemy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we, verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And then he says, and this rocked me when I read it. I was like, Lord, help us, help us, help us. Help us in America. And I love this country. I fought for this country. I'm as patriotic as anyone you'll ever meet. But help us in this country. Because then he says, and having food and clothing with these, we shall be. Ah, you are awake this morning. Thank you, Lord. There they are. Having food and having clothes on our backs with these, we shall be content. That doesn't match the prosperity gospel. Where's your faith, Paul? You're weak, Paul. Where's your vision, Paul? Yeah. God, God, God should have found someone with a little more faith to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm just having fun right there, y'all. Godliness with contentment. Great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out. And so with food and clothes, we shall be content. Let's talk about hope a little bit. Go over to Hebrews with me. Hebrews 6. I'm just going to let that settle. We'll come back to Paul. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Paul today. (sighs) Hebrews 6. I'm going to read seven verses here, starting in 13. Talking about the Abrahamic covenant and that Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant. 13. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by none greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Immutability, big word, means it can't change. 
confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence, capital P, behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hope's kind of one of these funny words, because it's just out there, and so oftentimes we don't really understand it. It seems a little bit more like a wishing well, you know, than, than anything else. But it's very real. It's very substantial. It's very big in our faith. And, 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 and whoever the writer of Hebrews is, I believe it to be Paul. That's widely accepted, but, but some people would contend with that. The author of Hebrews is telling us hope, this hope, but I believe hope by definition, by design, anchors the soul. Hope is an anchor. Right? And so if you think of it in those, in those terms, think of it, think about what an anchor does. Think about what our soul is. So our soul, most people will agree, is, is, is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Right? How you think, what you want, and how you feel, which is big in, in the modern day we live in. And so all of those things are anchored in hope. Or hope is the anchor of all of those things. And so that's just as real, y'all, as, as a boat is tied to and connected to that anchor. That's very real. We don't, we don't have trouble processing that. And, and hope is the anchor. And your boat, mind, will, and emotions. My boat, mind, will, and emotions. Soul. And so you think about how an anchor works. They release a lot more chain than, than is needed to hit the bottom. And then... The, the boat keeps going, drifting, or, or whatever it does. I'm, I'm not a sailor. I'm not a boater, so I'm probably going to mess this up. But case in point, it drags the bottom, and it digs. And, and once it digs in enough, it holds. So I believe the Lord's question, heart question this morning, is what are you anchored into? What are you, what are you hoping in? Where, where is my hope? And it's very, very easy to get up here all day and sing and say, my hope's in Christ. We can go eat now, Brandon. But how do you know? How do I know? How do we, how do we measure that? And so, so think of it as, as a little bit of a, a, a hope check. Because I'm sure what happens sometimes with boats and ships and things like that is they think they catch something solid, but then they find out we've drifted two miles. Why? Because what they were anchored into didn't hold. They were, they were anchored into something that was, that was movable. Do you guys hear me? And, and so oftentimes in my life, and I'm, I'm about to go into our story a little bit here. In my life, I've been anchored into something that was not immutable, that was not unchanging, that would not hold. And so when that started moving and when that started shaking, my life started falling apart. And I was confused and, and, and I didn't know what to do and it was overwhelming and I was crying out to God and, and, and all these years later, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And so I can look back and go, ah, this was a, this was a hope issue. This, this was an anchoring issue. This was a, a contentment issue. And... And so I just want to encourage you from, 
from our story, from my story this morning um, at the Lord's direction. So, Cheryl and I, <laughs> Cheryl and I met at an internship in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, it was a ministry internship. We did all kinds of ministry everywhere. We were in church all the time. We were in Bible school in the mornings, and, and, and then we were everywhere, you know, with a group of, I don't know, babe, keep me honest, 20, 20 25 first year, about 40 second year. That's where we met, and it was a very intense program. You couldn't, you couldn't work or anything, and so that's where the Lord spoke to her second year and said, give him a chance. Thank you, Lord. That's funny, y'all. Come on. That's true. That's true. The Lord had to tell her, give him a chance. You guys wonder why I'm humble. The, we came out of that program on fire. I came out of that program on fire. Yes, it was a taxing two years. We did a lot. But, but, but I came out. We came out with vision for ministry. And then the Lord... I believe the Lord said, I want you to go to school. And so, so we got married, and right after we got married, in, in 01, I started Oral Roberts University in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma also. And, and for those of you who don't know, I finished, and I got my degree in biblical literature. One of the hardest things I've ever done. Very, very difficult time. Very, very damaging time in, in my life. Personally, you go, Brandon, why? You're learning about the word. Because, and for those of you who have studied the word on an academic level like that, it's, it's a different experience than, than we have in church oftentimes. And, and what they'll do is, is, is basically they come and they take the legs out from everything you've heard your whole life. <clears throat> and go, hey, your preacher didn't know what he was talking about. And, and that was, you've heard this out of context your whole life. And and if you're not solid in the Lord and, and you go through that and you're not spending the time and, and you go through that and, and, and you have a wife and you're having kids and you're working two jobs and going to school full time and you go through that, it can be very shaking. It can be very devastating. I almost lost my faith studying the word of God at Oral Roberts University, right? The things you don't know about me. And so, so when... When, when we came out of that, and that was, again, keep me honest here. You guys know my memory. In 2006, I graduated, and you would think, oh, you graduated. On to the next best thing. My posture was, I don't want anything to do with ministry. I'm over it. I'm not interested. And, and this is why. Because, because I had believed a lie. I think differently now. But I had believed a lie, and that was this. If... If I was led astray, probably by well-meaning people, then if I'm going to do this thing right, I need to continue my education and go on and get a master's and get a doctorate and do those things, and, and I'm just not going to do that, and so, so I just won't pursue the ministry. Truth? Truth. And so, so that's where we were. And so, whereas that had been my direction for so long, it was no longer my direction and my plan. And so, my plan was, dang it, I've been miserable with these jobs that I've had for so long. I just want to do something that actually makes me happy. So, so I got a minor in business. Let me just, let me just pursue something in business where, where I can actually feel like I'm, I'm making a difference and I can take care of my family. 
very much looking for my satisfaction to come from that career choice, very much looking for my joy to to come from that that, that career choice, my fulfillment, my identity to, to come from that career choice. You know, talk to Cheryl after. She'll tell you it's true. And it looks so noble. And this is what it looked like. I don't want my kids to grow up and do something that they don't care about in their life. I don't want them to go to work every day and be miserable. So I am going to set my eyes on this journey to find something that I actually care about, that where I'm actually making a difference on a daily basis. But it's not ministry. So here we go. And, and I worked for a, a, chemical, a chemical company, cleaning and sanitation company. Pest, pest extermination was a part of their business called Ecolab. Some of you guys may have heard of it. For about a year, I moved my family from, from Oklahoma to Arkansas. Um, not easy, and we did that, and, and, and that didn't last very long, y'all. Six, six months, call it, right in there, short. Why? I was miserable. I was miserable. And so then I made what may be the craziest decision of my life, and I joined the Army. No offense to anybody who is or has been in the Army. You just look at me, and you go, Brandon, I can't really see you in the Army. There's a reason for that, y'all. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Right? And so, but it was, a, it was a steady paycheck. I could go in and with my, with my degree, that would, that would help me go in with some rank and, and make some more money. And I could be a medic. Right? And so I would be doing something that I believed made a difference. My mom's a nurse, been a nurse her whole life. Cheryl's mom, mother-in-law, neonatal nurse practitioner. And so medicine was something that had been around both of our families. So I said, this is it. I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. It's going to be the stability we need. And I'm going to be happy. I got off the bus at Basic at Fort Benning, Georgia in August and had those drill sergeants in my face pushing me around and screaming like maniacs. And I said, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? Lord, I'm stuck here. You can't even run, you know? If you run, you might go to jail. This is not good. <laughs> funnier now than, than it was then. <laughs> and so Cheryl was one place. I was in Fort Benning, Georgia. Medic training was down at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. We had several trips in there. We got stationed um, at Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. So, so that move was there. I spent a year overseas in Iraq on a deployment. Um, you know, for, for, for those of you that have never been away from your family for, for a year, it's hard to describe. You know, it's just, I could try, but I would fail. Um, and, and it may be harder for those home than it is for those gone. Uh, because my wife had to learn how to be a, a single parent, you know, basically. And then when I got home, unlearn it, you know. Um, and so, you know, just grateful you know, grateful. Who served in the room? Who served? Armed forces. Can you guys thank them? Thank you. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, families of those who have served. Very, very, very difficult. And obviously, when I came to the end of my four-year commitment in the military, I was, we were changing something. Because I was, I was still miserable. 
This wasn't it. It's like, thank you, Lord, I've learned. This has helped me, you know, actually become a man and take responsibility and, and, and have some sense of structure and organization and discipline in my life, but this ain't it. You know, considered maybe staying in the military and pursuing chaplaincy, um, but, but no. And so we talked about that. So at the end of that four years, we got out and, and we were at square one. I don't know what to do. All I know is I'm miserable. And there's got to be a career path out there that's actually going to fulfill me. Is this helping you guys? This is honest. And my wife said something to the effect of, well, you need to figure it out because I don't know how much more of this I can take. You know, and at the time I thought, what a crappy answer. But now I, now I look back and I go, what a godly woman, you know? And so, so we were looking, thinking, you know, being a veteran out there, it does nothing for you because everybody's a veteran out there. The economy was in a tough spot. I can remember my battalion commander who did not want me to get out. Um, you know, we deployed together. We had a lot of history together, and, and he trusted me. He said, he said, call me when you're eating beanie weenies out of a can, and I'll see what I can do for you. That's, that's the economy I got out in. And so, so God bless Anna and Chris Shalowski because we, you know, we, we called them and they said, yeah, we, if you guys want to come out here, we'd, we'd be willing to help you through the transition. And we stayed with them. It was supposed to be six months. It was 14. 14 months, y'all. I moved my family of five in with them. 14 months and worked second shift at Walmart unloading trucks for a year and, and cash register at Dick's Sporting Goods. Tough, 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 tough year. Tough year. And, and it took a toll. It took a toll on my wife, my family. My, my self-centeredness took a toll. My, my desire to be happy, my, my journey for contentment and looking for that in my career took a heavy toll. I didn't know it at the time. Cheryl told me years later, I wanted to leave. That's how, that's how damaging I had, to, I had to pray to stay, to stay with you. I, I resented you. And so I can remember we had just gotten here, and, and it was one of those days where somehow I, I actually managed to be able to go play golf. And, uh, and Pastor Alex and I went, and we'd just come to the church, and, and so just getting to know each other. And, and I can remember a conversation that we had, and it was one of those turning point moments. And... And we were talking, I said, man, I'm just trying to figure out the will of God for my life. And he said, he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, where I, where I fit, you know, what he's, what he's, what he's made me to do, what, what, what my career is, where I'm actually going to go and, 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 and be an excellent, excellent contributor and actually find joy in, in what I do every day. And this is what he said, in that, in that gentle, caring way that our pastor shares things. He said, ma'am, 
If I hear one more person talk about the will of God for their life and think it has anything to do with where they live, who they marry, or what their job is, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Ask him. Ask him when you see him. He will tell you. And again, in the moment, I was like, that was a crappy response. Like, I'm just trying to follow the Lord here, boss. Help me out a little bit. Throw me a bone. <laughs> Funnier now. And, uh, and he said, why don't you just pursue Jesus with everything you have on the inside of you and let that take you where it takes you? And that word right there. took root. It made. And I thought, nothing else is working. <laughs> maybe, you're, maybe you're right. Maybe I have my eyes in the wrong place. And I'm focusing on those other things instead of focusing on him. There's a scripture in Acts 17. I have the verses, but you can go look it up. Um, and it says something to the effect of you've, you've caused, caused every man to be born of, of one blood and you've, you've predetermined where they're going to live and the boundaries of their dwellings and their, their pre-appointed times when they'll live and when they'll die. God, you've pre-appointed all that to this end that, that men would seek you and grope for you and find you. Although you're not far from each one of us, in you we live and move and have our being. And so... I was, I was praying this morning, thinking about this and, and just sharing that, that part of our story. And, and I, I just started to do that. I just started to really pursue the Lord. It sounds so simple. You go, Brandon, really, with a degree in theology, you have nothing more complicated to say? I do not. I do not. I just started to pursue the Lord, set my eyes on him, put my hope in him, and let him be enough. And what the Lord's done over the last eight years. <sighs> is indescribable. The provision, unbelievable. The jobs, he had me work an IT job for four and a half years. I don't even know how to use the dish remote. That doesn't make sense, y'all. That's supernatural. I don't, I don't work IT jobs. We built a home. We live in a beautiful home. I wake up in the morning, I see the deer out where we live, and I go, Father, I can't believe we live here. Is this real? The, the opportunities to minister, I, I, you know, Robert, Robert Britt called me and when I was working down, down for a, a medical group person organization in Ballantyne. And he said, hey, man, I can't run this Christian ministry on my own. Come help me. I'll, I'll make a position for you. What's your number? What do you need? You know? And so, so I get paid every day to share the gospel and love people and help.
help in times of crisis and, and help meet needs and, and say, 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 Richard, God, God hasn't forgotten you. You have value. You haven't screwed up too much. God's plan is unchanged. He's the redeemer. He's the life giver. He's the healer. The darker the place that you find yourself, the greater an opportunity for a move of God in your life. Wake up. There's hope. Who gets paid to do that every day? That's crazy. Three years in, we're having a great time out there. The Lord's moving. He's doing incredible things. You guys, this church, my, my family, my friends, people that I trust, people that I can call, people that will challenge me, people that will pray for me, people that will forgive me, people that will work through my mess. But really, all of it doesn't compare to this. <clears throat> so when I was praying this morning and I was just walking through this testimony with the Lord and, and thanking him, one of the things I said was, <clears throat> You guys can see why I had you pray for me. Father, thank you for, thank you for not letting me lose my family. Thank you for not letting me lose my family. Thank you for my marriage not falling apart. Thank you for my wife not leaving. When I was blind and I couldn't see that, that I had my hope in the wrong thing, that I was anchored in the wrong thing. And I thought I was anchored in you, but, but I wasn't. And it was, it was so evident in, in the way that I walked things out, which was this. I, I need the right job, and without the right job, I can't be okay. I can't be okay without that. And it's this place of not being able to be okay until X happens that I want to spend the little bit of time that we have left talking to you about this morning because I almost lost everything I care about because I couldn't, I couldn't be content unless unless my breakthrough came. One more healthy tension in the kingdom of God because I believe in those songs we just sang to him. You guys saw me up here worshiping like a lunatic, you know, screaming and crying out to God for breakthrough. I believe in breakthrough, but there's a point where even, even what we're believing God to break through in can become God to us. Did you guys hear what I said? What is, your, what, is your, what is your breakthrough that your eyes have gotten so fixated on that you're anchored right there? Your, your hope is right there. 
in, in that thing. And, and, and you know you're there. This is the litmus test. This is how you know. You know you're there because you try to picture yourself being okay without that thing happening, and you can't. You can't get vision for, for being happy until, until that thing moves. I don't know what it is for you. It, 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 it may be a relationship. It may be a child. It may be a parent. It may be a healing. For me, it was a career. You know, it may be, it may be, a, it may be a financial mess. It may be a living situation. It may be, may be school. It may be your dream, your call, your ministry. There's a lot of things it could be. And I feel like the Lord would just have me share this morning and and say, hey, don't put your hope in that thing. There's this process of, of letting go of those things and, and taking hold of him. And, and so I really, I really want to kind of focus on some things Paul says for the rest of our time. <laughs> With, with Paul, and turn over to Hebrews 13.5 with me. I want to I look at that. Um, Hebrews 13.5 says this. Let your, conduct, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper I will not fear. What can man do to me? <clears throat> Sorry for all the snotting and snorting and everything, y'all. The, <laughs> I really wouldn't have it any other way. The, be content with what you have, right? Think about that call right there. It's huge. It's, it's very difficult. It's impossible in our own strength. Be content with what you have, right here in this space, okay? This is, this is what I have right here. And, and out here is everything I'm believing for, I'm desiring, I'm hoping will happen, I'm, I'm crying, crying out to God for, right? And, and, but the Lord says, yes, do that, right? But, but be content right here. I looked up that word content. You know what it means? Happy, satisfied, right? Full, be, be full, be content, right here with what you have. And, and so we have this dynamic over here, but then you also have, Lord, what, what if I have something and, and I am content and then, and then I lose something in that space, right? What if, I, what, if I, what if I lost that job? What if I had that money and I, and I don't anymore? What if I had that dream and all of a sudden I see it falling apart? What if, what if I was healthy and, and now I'm not? Then, then the thing about be content with what you have, what you have is constantly changing. Right? There's new things coming in, and there's, there's things moving out. And so this, this be content, it's not a static, it's not a static position. And, and as soon as you go through, you know, that, that, that thing that it just seems like, how am I ever going to recover from this? There are much heavier things we could talk about than, than the loss of a job or something financial. Maybe it's, it's family. Maybe it's, maybe it's son. Maybe it's daughter. Maybe it's spouse. 
big. Big. And, and as soon as that's your new reality of what you now had, not what you did have, but what you now have right here, the Lord's encouragement does not change. Now be content with what you have. I think about you, Richard. You don't, you don't have what you had a year ago. Now be content with what you have. Richard, right, right here, be content with the things that you have. How do you do that? It comes back to this hope thing. Because, because if your hope's in something and you're, and you're anchored in something and it's out here and it's what you want to be and it doesn't happen, then you shake. Your, your mind shakes. Your, your will shakes. You don't know what you want. Did you guys hear my testimony? Your, what's your, what's your vision, your will for your life, it, it, it shakes. Your emotions shake when you, when you put your hope, when I put my hope in things that can change, right? If you're even with, and we're so blessed, we have so much, and that's why we struggle here incredibly, because if you're anchored in those things and your hope, your contentment, your satisfaction, your joy, your purpose, your vision, your peace is in those things, when they fall apart, your mind is blown to pieces, your will is in chaos. Your emotions are everywhere. Why, Brannon? You hoped in what you just lost. Your contentment was found in, in what you just lost. Your, your peace was there. You were, you were anchored into that thing instead of being anchored into the only thing that is immovable, that is unshakable, that does not change, that is not fleeting. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we are to be the content people that we're called to be, we have to be anchored in him, in him alone. Uh, listen, I don't say this lightly, y'all. I do not say this lightly. Because if something happens, I'll have to walk the road. I love my wife incredibly. I do not find my joy in her. I do not find my purpose in her. She is not what my peace centers on. And she means more to me than any other person on the planet she can be taken away. She can be here one day and gone the next. And so, so, so when Paul talks about being content, and he, he says that in, in Hebrews 13, 5, be, be content with what you have, and, and, and then we go over to, to, to Philippians quickly. Philippians 3. <clears throat> Give me 10 minutes. Philippians 3. 
And, and Paul says, I had, I had all these things. And, and down in seven, he says, but what things were gained to me? These I've counted, I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of, of what things? All things. And I count them as rubbish. It's a word for dung, garbage. I've lost everything. And that's Okay. Because I have him, and I'm knowing him, and I'm, I'm being found in him, and, and he's my righteousness, and I'm pressing in towards this place. And you go, you go, how can Paul write like that? And he's not writing about things he didn't know. So Philippians, along with Ephesians and Colossians, and I think Philemon, were written from a prison cell. They were written from house arrest. And so Paul has gone, gone through where he had it all. And then he came to Jesus and, and he, he gave his heart for the gospel and to, to share God's message. And he lost and he lost and he lost and he lost. And, 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 and those things that he had were narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower. And he had to find that contentment in less and less and less and less and less until all that was there was his relationship with Jesus. And he said, I've, I've been through this process. I've, 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 lost, I've lost everything. And I, I let it go. I've counted all things lost. You know what that means? I let it go. And, and I'm okay because I have him. That's what I'm talking about. Do I want you to stop pressing, believing God, crying out, praying, loving, working for these things? No. The Lord says do it all. What I feel like the word of the Lord is this. Don't need it. Don't need your breakthrough to be okay. Need your relationship with, with the Lord to be okay. Need your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord alone to be, to be full, to find peace, to find joy. Do we believe that, y'all? That's a tall order. This is, this is a big word this morning. But he's the only one who doesn't shake. He's the only one what can man do to me? He's the only one that applies to. He's the only one that can't be taken away. And so, so that is an all. Gosh, we need another hour. We don't have it. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul says this. I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to abound. They had taken up an offering, and he said, thank you, I appreciate it. I'm not speaking from a place of need. I don't need it to be okay, but thank you for, for sending it, because I've, I've learned this. I've learned that what in ever, whatever state I'm in to be content, learning contentment is your title for today. Learning contentment is the, is the word for today. Paul said, I've, I've learned it. I've learned it. I, I know how to have little. I know how to have much. I know how to be in need. I've, I, I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we've used that for everything in our lives. And that's okay. It's just not the context, right? 
What's the context of the promise? No matter what I'm going through, no matter, no matter how my, my be content in what you have, no matter how that's changing, no matter if these dreams that are out in front and what I feel like, like ministry should look like, that's okay if that changes because my hope's not there. No matter if those people and those things and the provision in my life that I'm so grateful for, even if things are lost, that's okay. I'm okay. I can be okay because my hope is not there. In those things, my hope, my contentment, my ability to be okay is in my relationship with Christ. Now, let me close with this. When David says in Psalm 73, my wife's favorite verse, by the way, you guys can get, get to know her a little bit better. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's no one upon the earth that I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God, you're the strength of my heart. You're my portion forever. When David says that, he's not just being poetic. It's not just another good song. He is embracing a priestly call. Don't miss this. I know it's late. We'll figure out the parking lot. Don't miss this. He is embracing a priestly call. And, and that is this. Can you go to Numbers, Numbers 18, so we can read it real quick? Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor should you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Brandon, why are you saying don't look to other things? Just look to him because you're a priest. You don't get the inheritance of the land. You don't get the other stuff. You don't, you don't get all of these promises to be able to look at and anchor into because God says, you're my priest. I'm your portion. I'm your promise. You have this relationship to anchor into and this relationship to set your eyes on and this relationship to look and say, I'm not looking to anything else to fill me up. Give me peace. Give me direction. Give me purpose. Give me vision. You alone because I am your you are my inheritance. Stand, let's pray. Ask the Lord to seal this. Y'all, I know that was a lot in a hurry, and I just trust the Lord in the process. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we love you. We worship you. You want to you heal us. You want to provide for us. You want to restore relationships, Father. You want to you drive sickness, God. You want to you do all those things, Father. You are the God of what looks to be impossible. You are the God of miracles. But I pray this over this body of believers that we wouldn't need it to be okay. We don't need it to be okay. You're enough. You're more than enough. And that's our statement of faith this morning. That's our declaration this morning. You're enough, but then there's this. We have to walk it out. Because we can sit here and lip all day long about how you're enough to fulfill us and satisfy us. But unless we have that pursuit, that seeking you with all that we are, what Alex, what Alex told me, why don't you just pursue Jesus with everything on the inside of you? Unless we have that, then that, that infilling can't come. That, that, that peace that overflows, that joy inexpressible can't come. And so it is a letting go and a line in the sand to say, I will not put my hope in these things. I will be okay in you and you alone. But then it is that press. You say this, seek me 
and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. The reality is this, Lord Jesus. The greatest breakthrough has already come. It's you. The greatest miracle has already occurred. It's you. The greatest provision that will ever be made for all of eternity has already happened. It's you. So God, all these things that mean so much to us and that we love and we thank you for and all these things we're believing for, let them take such a, such a knee to you and the relationship with the Father that you've made possible. I pray that you would bless my family, God. Continue to speak to us, teach us, and, and implant this word on the inside of us so that we can go out and be a people content in our God who is our portion. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.